Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to our Bible class this week on the book of Revelation. Now, we are airing again. We've aired this particular uh, program before uh, by way of uh, just a sampling. Today, we're going to re-air chapter 6, but there's extra material on it as well. We're putting on right at the beginning... Uh, a very special devotion that we did in the winter here in northern Michigan on Matthew 24 is knocking at the door, or you could call it signpost along the journey. And so we pray that'll be a blessing to you, and then we will go right back into the teaching on Revelation 6, one of the most powerful chapters in all of the Bible in the entirety of God's Word, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Matthew chapter 24 is, an, is a devotion, and uh, our teaching today will be on Revelation chapter 6. And so I pray that you enjoy it, and uh, next week we'll be here again with chapter 7. And until then, this is Brother Paxton saying, go with God, and he will go with you. Bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother Paxton. I'm coming to you today from Mayfield, Michigan, and I want to give you a short word of devotion based in Matthew chapter 24. Now, this is a very interesting word that we're going to look at today. Let's start in verse 1. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. The temple structure was one of the most beautiful structures in the ancient world, Solomon's temple. It was magnificent to look upon. In verse 2, Jesus said unto them, Do you not see all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, when shall these things be? They asked Jesus. And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Now, in the 24th chapter of Matthew, Jesus tells them about the signs of the times. But I want to look at the word sign for just a moment. When you root that out in the Greek, and there are several applications to it, but one of its meanings is uh, a signpost along the way. For, for example, one of the greatest places in my life that I've found on planet Earth that I like to hang out and, and God really speaks to me there and I just have a wonderful time is Rockbridge County, Virginia. And I want you to know that when I first leave Michigan, Traverse City where I live, I don't see a sign right away that says Rockbridge County, Virginia, 790 miles. My first sign would probably be Cadillac and then Grand Rapids, and on and on through all the places that we have to travel through to get to Rockbridge County. But as soon as I get a little bit east of Charleston, West Virginia, I see that sign that says Lexington, Virginia, 120 miles. And as I get closer from there, you see the signs, Lexington, Virginia, 90 miles, 70 miles, 50 miles. And when I get to my place, I see the signs for all the places that I want to go and that I've been to so many times. 
That's what this word means in this verse, is that these signs that Jesus lists, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, disease, earthquakes in diverse places, all of these signs will increase with frequency as we get closer to the time of the end, closer to the return of Jesus Christ, which I personally believe right now is at the doors. Johnny Cash wrote a song many years ago called Matthew 24 is knocking at our door. I believe that's true like never before. But notice, remember, way back up in Traverse City, Michigan, that sign had not revealed itself yet. The closer you get, the more the signs will reveal themselves. They've always been there, but they begin to stand out. They reveal themselves. They increase with frequency. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the day that I believe you and I are living in right now. What shall be the sign? And notice it's singular. That takes us into another topic. But since Israel became a nation again in 1948, all of these signs that Jesus gave are increasing. I want to encourage you today to be ready when Jesus comes back. A lot of people have a lot of different thoughts about some people think, you know, that everybody who has claimed Christ will go in the rapture. Uh, some people say that the rapture will be secretive. I, I don't believe that necessarily. I believe that we are to be holy and we are to be looking for his appearing. And we are to the best of the ability that we walk in. We are to be obeying the word of God. And here's a big one. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together even more as you see that day approaching. You know, you, when I'm traveling, man, I see that sign coming and I know I'm close. Get into the house of God with your brothers and your sisters. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Don't take the chance of not being ready when Jesus comes back. Yes, I believe in faith and I believe in grace and I believe that all who are blood washed will go in the rapture, but we have to have a certain amount of responsibility that the Lord does place on us. And so we don't want to take a chance. I, I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to just pull in there, you know, just barely making it. I want to go in with gusto. I want to go in in love with Jesus. I want to go in looking for his coming. And I want to be ready when the rapture takes place. I believe it's very, very soon. So from Traverse City, Michigan today, uh, Mayfield, actually just a little ways down the road, uh, I want to encourage you in those things. Take your time this week, this month, this year, 2020, brand new year. Take your time to get close to Jesus Christ. Don't see how much you can get by with or how much like the world you can be and still make it in. You might make it, but myself, I don't want to take that chance. This is Brother Paxton saying go with God and he will go with you. Bless you. Praise the Lord. We hope you enjoyed that little devotion. We've had fun this winter making devotions outside for the very first time. Actually, I don't know why. It's tremendous fun to go out and look at the beauty of the winter uh, here in northern Michigan. I wanted to make mention also about our Revelation series. We've had a number of inquiries to uh, receive this programming on CD. And here is what I want to encourage you to do. For every one of you that has a computer and that can possibly do it, 
uh, we would ask that you would download this material uh, on your own computer. We are phasing out our actual CD ministry with the exceptions of uh, prisoners, and very few prisoners can receive CDs, but, uh, or shut-ins, the elderly, new believers, people that just absolutely need some instruction. We want to send them some CDs and such, but it costs a lot of money to maintain a CD outreach. The demand is really just not that great for them anymore. Uh, because everybody's doing the download thing. And so I would ask that you would consider prayerfully uh, downloading every sermon on my podcast, The Old Time Power on Podbean. Download it to your own computer, and then you'll have it. Um, we will be doing in the future some MP3 discs, and so it's going to take us a few months to get that kicked off, but then we can put Revelation on MP3 disc. Each disc would have about 11 messages on it, one disc. And again, if you want to separate those for automobile listening or whatever, then you would need to go uh, and put them in your computer and burn your own discs. When I go out on meetings, I don't even have CDs on the book table anymore. We don't take CDs uh, with us when we go to churches and hold revivals. Sometimes we don't even take books. Sometimes we don't have a table at all. And so we are referring everybody to the Old Time Power podcast on Podbean and uh, Anchor FM and some other places where we have our messages. So thanks for letting me share that with you. And again, enjoy downloading every single thing that we post on the Old Time Power. God bless you. Now's our teaching on Revelation chapter 6. Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome back <clears throat> to the class on the book of Revelation. We'll be in chapter 6 today, and uh, I got a new disclaimer to uh, preface this uh, study together with, and that's this, as I've said many times, that in the book of Revelation, there are, <laughs> there are it's a daunting task uh, to sit down and say, you know, I'm going to teach the book of Revelation. I'm going to teach through the book of Revelation. And I, f I don't feel, you know, that that is even possible in the time constraints that we have. Uh, were we to try to just dissect everything? And a lot of times that seems to be what people want in a study, you know, and, and, and I guess rightly so. But there are different studies. What we're doing here today for our purposes uh, on this program First of all is that we are reading the book of Revelation together, you and I, and we are enjoying that immensely, and it's, it's totally exciting and fascinating to read this great book. Secondly, we're kind of basically outlining it for you, and in future programs <clears throat> towards the end of the, of the study, uh, I will try to take the time and actually do a a basic outline of the book all in one program so that you can you know write that down or whatever but here's the thing I really want you to understand <clears throat> and that is every believer is called upon to learn as much about the Word of God as we can possibly learn and for that reason I encourage you to go find some good material from reputable teachers on the book of Revelation and begin a a study of your own, hallelujah, and go through and learn what God has to say about 
your future and my future, praise God, the future of planet Earth in the last of the last days. Now, <clears throat> the other thing I want to say uh, as we go into this <clears throat> is that we, not only do we want to read the book together and outline the book for you, but we also <clears throat> want to bring nuggets as we come throughout ver uh, various passages that we read. And there are other programs, such as a while back I aired a program called um, the, the End from the Beginning. The End from the Beginning that took a much more detailed study of certain aspects of end times. And we'll be doing that in the future in the midst of our Revelation series in the coming weeks. We will air a program entitled The Rise and Fall of the Seventh Empire. By God's help and grace. By God's help and grace, we will also air a program entitled The Rise of an Islamic Beast. And that's a very interesting program. And listen, in that particular, I'm not 100% dogmatic that the Antichrist will be a, a, from the religion of Islam, but it is a possibility. And so we tried to cover that possibility in that particular message. Those will be aired during the Revelation series. And uh, in some of those later chapters, uh, we'll kind of touch and go on some of that material as we preempt for those detailed messages on those two nights. <clears throat> but today as we start Revelation chapter 6, and we realize that, you know, in chapter 5 of the book of Revelation... There was a search through heaven and a search through earth and a search under the earth to find anybody worthy to open the book, the scroll that God held in his hand. And we found that the lamb came forward and took the lamb from the hand of God and began to read. He, be he began to unloose the seals. The unloosing of those seals is where we are in the book of Revelation right now. In chapter 6. So let's read chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw. And behold, a white horse. And he, he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering, and to conquer. Now the word come uh, here in Revelation 6, 1, 6, 3, 6, 5, and 6, 7. That word come is issued as a command to the riders in the seals to come forth. This simple and direct invitation given by the four cherubim is come. And the words and see are not original in most texts. The riders came forth so the Apostle John could see them. Okay? Now this is in the vision. So look about, here's John having the vision of this. And for the purposes of the vision, the cherubim say, come. And they come. And I saw was John's response. Now, this first white horse rider cannot be Jesus Christ. Because Jesus in this in this time frame of this vision, Jesus is opening the seals. Okay? So the, he cannot ride and open the seals at the same time. The little book that is revealed or given to us 
in Revelation 5 contains things never before revealed, which no man but Jesus Christ could open and reveal to the world. So let me stop there and say this. This is a must understand in the times that we're living in today. There's nobody qualified to speak toward what's going to happen in the future except Jesus. And then Jesus, sometimes He will share that with His preachers. Amen? With His believers, with His followers. And we can share it with our neighbors and friends. But here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to look to answers for our future to the prognosticators to those who are involved in seance and tarot cards and all this occultic wickedness that's on the rise in the earth today, none of that will tell the truth about the future because they don't know the truth about the future. They are children of Satan, and Satan is the father of lies. You think of that. So when it pertains to the future, I mean, a Christian should never consult a psychic. A Christian should never consult a tarot card reader or a palm reader or any of this business. It is actually an abomination to God for a Christian to do such a thing, for any person to do such a thing. And the book of Leviticus is plain about that. And that's not... A statement that was just like under the Old Testament law, that transcends the, the time frame of law altogether. It was before law, an abomination, during the law, an abomination, during grace, an abomination, and during this time right here will be an abomination that we're reading of in the book of Revelation. So, now this white horse in Revelation 6, 1 and 2 is not to be confused with the white horses in Revelation 19, 11 through 21. They are literal, but the white horse here in verses 1 and 2 is a symbol. Let me say that again. The white horses in Revelation 19, when Christ comes back with his saints on white horses, those are literal white horses. This white horse here is symbolic. This doesn't mean that the Antichrist is actually going to come riding on some white horse because this rider, this first seal, this first rider is the rise of the Antichrist. The horses are white in both passages, but that's no proof they're, they're symbolic of Christ. Christ is symbolized by a lamb in this book and not as a rider on a white horse until his return. There is no scripture that corroborates the idea that Christ will go forth at the beginning of the tribulation to conquer. The, no, my friends, the rider on this horse is the Antichrist. And there's several reasons that we can come to this conclusion. And here they are. It's clear from this symbol that it's an individual. It talks about the rider that has a bow and is given a crown and goes forth conquering and to conquer. Notice that he does not have any arrows. Because it seems that he's got a bow. In other words, he's got the potential to fire an arrow, but he has no arrows in this vision. In this, in this particular time frame, he has no arrows. And the reason is because the Antichrist will most likely come to power and rise up on a platform of peace. But it's a false promise, it's a false peace, and it's a false hope for the world. And we're going to get into that more later as we go along. 
So this fulfills here uh, Daniel 7, verse 8. Also verses 24 through 26. It fulfills Daniel 8, verses 8 through 10, and also verses 20 through 25. It also fulfills Daniel 11, verses 35 through 45, as to the rise of the Antichrist. That's what we're dealing with here. He will be supreme uh, overall by the middle of the tribulation period. It isn't said here who gives the Antichrist this crown, but it symbolizes the rise of the Antichrist to power as a, a king coming out of one of the seven of those prophetic empires through the operation of satanic powers. You see, the Antichrist will derive his power from Satan. I mean, the Antichrist is going to be so much more than the average slick politician. He's actually going to be empowered by demonic and devilish power from Satan himself. And you can read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8-12, through 12, Revelation 13, 1-4, Daniel 8.25, and Daniel 8, 11, uh, Daniel 11, 36 through 39, it seems clear that this rider will go forth and he will cause war, famine, death, and pestilence, and actual death in hell will be following him. These difficulties always follow an ambitious conqueror. And the Antichrist is pictured just like this in Daniel 7, 8, 9, and 11. The Antichrist is the only one prophesied to go forth conquering and to conquer. And you see, you'll find in life, as you study the Word of God and as you get to know more about God, you will find that God, even though He has the power to force us to do whatever He wants to do, in this dispensation that we're living in right now, he does not force us. He does not force us to accept Jesus Christ. He does not force us to quit drinking. He doesn't force us to quit taking dope. He doesn't force us to live right. He doesn't force us to be holy. He does not force us to love other people, but He wants us to do all of these things as the Holy Spirit deals with us, and the Holy Spirit is gentle like a dove, and the Holy Spirit is always a gentleman. In this dispensation I'm talking about now. Because we're going to see pretty soon when God begins to punish wicked mankind for not doing His bidding. And that is not an unjust punishment as the Antichrist, the Antichrist will annihilate those who do not do what He wants. That's unjust and evil and wicked. But God, as the legitimate highest authority in the universe, has the prerogative to do whatever he desires to do. But he, he is restrained by his character, which is love. And we, <clears throat> excuse me, we will see even in these judgments, you can see a radiation of the love of God. Even as he punishes the rebellious, you will see the radiation of his love. So as we look at this passage of Scripture in Revelation 6, 1 and 2, it can only be the Antichrist. He's the only one prophesied to conquer, uh, conquering and to conquer. He won't necessarily come on a white horse or a steed, but as the 
as a, as a false Messiah of the world to bring a peace and a harmony to all mankind. This will be part of his promise. The world today, and, and, and I'll give you the scriptures for that, so you can see the falseness of the Antichrist, the facade that he plays at the beginning of the tribulation. This is why he has no arrows. Matthew 24, 4 and 5 John 5.43 and Daniel 9.27 The world today is waiting the rise of the Antichrist and is being prepared for that very time. Everything we see happening in the political realm, in the social economic realm, in the religious realm, everything we see happening in our generation in the earth is preparing the world for the rise of the Antichrist. When the Antichrist is revealed, he will be a man of vast power. Millions of people on this earth will be fooled into thinking that He is really the Messiah. I want you to think of that. That brings us to the second seal that Jesus opened. When He opened the second seal, Revelation 6, 3 and 4, I heard the second beast say, Come and see, and there went out another horse that was red, and power was given him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So here comes another rider. And this one's red. The first one was white. This one's red. It's pictured as having a great sword to take peace from the earth and cause murder and war and bloodshed among men. There can be no question about the symbolism here. War will be the natural result of the Antichrist going forth conquering and to conquer. The red horseman promises peace, but it doesn't materialize. He plunges the earth into a bloodbath of unprecedented proportions. His ultimate goal is to conquer and be the dictator of the world. Peace cannot be expected, ladies and gentlemen, until the Prince of Peace comes to reign over the world. Hallelujah. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4, and Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. Organizations throughout history like the United Nations and countries like America may try to bring peace, but the Bible tells us there will be wars and rumors of wars. And finally, there will be the great climactic war called the Battle of Armageddon, which we will talk about that in depth later. But the Antichrist will be out to take over the world by the method of war. And again, one of the most successful ways... To wage war over any people is to deceive them and appear to like them at first and be peaceful. But as we shall see, midway through the tribulation that will change. So that brings me to this point before we look at the third seal. In the book of Revelation, these seals being opened does not merely indicate the start of the tribulation. In other words, it's not necessarily chronological here. The Antichrist will show his true colors midway through the tribulation. Now, I believe he will engage in war in the beginning times of the tribulation because he will use excuses as to why his efforts are justified. And he will deceive the people. Oh yeah, this is a good thing. That's the same way persecution against Christians starts anywhere in the world. It's the, the, the ones who are doing the persecuting try to make the people of the area or the country or whatever believe that everything is the Christian's fault. That's how the Antichrist is going to be when he 
declares those wars in the first part of the tribulation, I believe he's going to try to justify it and make it look like he's just in, do in what he's doing in eliminating people who oppose him. We'll leave that there for now because we're going to come back to that at another time in the very near future here in this study. But let's get on to the third seal, which is famine. Revelation 6, 5 and 6. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We have a white horse, we have a red horse, we have a black horse, and we have a pale horse. We're studying here the black horse. He that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. That's beautiful. I'm going to show you what it means here in a minute. The black horse rider had a pair of balances in his hand. This was for the purpose of measuring out food. There will be food shortage and food rationing during the Great Tribulation. This indicates a severe scarcity of food. Read Ezekiel chapter 4 verses 10 through 17. The symbolic idea of the black horse rider is famine. And famine is a natural result of war because of a lack of men to till the soil and harvest the crops. Plus, as we shall see, included in that, con the contributing factors to famine will be the great judgments of God that he will pour out upon the earth. Meteorites falling from heaven weighing a hundred tons apiece. I mean, just tremendous lightnings and all of these judgments that we'll read about in the future contributes to the reality that there will be no food. And the only food that people will be able to get at a certain point during the tribulation will be those who have the mark of the beast. Millions will starve to death. During the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, great famine is going to grip parts of the world and this will set the Antichrist up even more as he will gather food and you have to go to him to get it. This will be an encouragement for many to take the mark of the beast. Millions will starve. For the most part food will not be grown in those parts of the world where the wars are being fought. The Antichrist will conquer great nations and empires. And it will be a time of cataclysmic destruction. The third seal reveals a terrible famine following the horrible bloodshed caused by the Antichrist. That brings us to the fourth seal, death and hell, Revelation 6, verses 7 and 8. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. Now the Greek word is chloros. So it, it means a pale green. A pale green horse. And his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. You remember how in the, old, in the Roman Empire, the early church, many of them were thrown to the lions? This passage of Scripture could be an indicative factor that that may once again be the case under the Antichrist. 
can also mean that the animal kingdom will go berserk as all of these strange happenings are taking place during the Great Tribulation periods. And animals that try to avoid humanity now will attack them during that future time. Wow, think of it. These two writers are named because they are not recognizable by man as the first three are. Death is referred to here as a great pestilence that shall be sent on the earth after the rise of the Antichrist, after the wars, after the famines have taken their toll on human life. The color of the fifth horse is not given, but perhaps it's red because of the name of the rider is hell. I don't know. Could, they could both be green. <coughs> the rampage of death and hell over the fourth part of the earth, earth, which generally means ground, but here it also includes humanity, will be the natural results of the riders of the first three seals. In other words, because of the first three seals. Antichrist comes forth to conquer. War. Famine. Because of all of that, death and hell will ride the earth and stalk humanity. Most of the people who die during this particular time of the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation will be lost and will go to hell. That is so sad. That's why it's important to make your calling and election sure by receiving Jesus Christ today so that you can be ready for the rapture. You do not want to go through the tribulation, friend. The first three and a half years of the tribulation will be bad, but the last three and a half years will be worse as we shall see. So that brings us to the fifth seal. And again, I'm not going into de total detail over all of the nuances of these verses, but I want you to uh, do a study yourself and see what, what God will show you as you do a word study on certain things. Uh, death and hell, for example. I mean, if I were to teach on death and on hell right here, it would, take an, it would take another two weeks, three weeks, four weeks before we could come back to the fifth seal. You see what I'm saying? So that's why we're reading it together, we're outlining it, and we're bringing nuggets in this particular study. So in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, it says, When he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. In other words, the martyrs that are in heaven now are longing for the Lord to avenge their blood. And they cry out unto Him. And He basically says, you need to rest a little while longer until the full number of martyrs should be fulfilled. 
when this seal was opened, the souls of those who were slain for the word of God and for their testimony are seen. Literally, they martyrs in our planet for Jesus Christ, people who have died for their faith on planet Earth, literally number into the tens of millions, perhaps hundreds, perhaps thousands of millions. And so we see a picture of them here as they long for the Lord to avenge them. And that, my dear friend, is part of the purpose of the book of Revelation. Because this world that fell with Adam in the garden, and from that time until even now, and on into the future as long as Jesus should tarry, this planet has forgotten God days without number. We have thumbed our nose in His face. And this world has had a penchant for killing those who follow the true and the living God. And so they have died. Some have died by torture. Some have died by starvation. Some have died by wild beasts. Some have died at the hands of these cruel despots who were but a mirror, a miniature copy of the Antichrist spirit that will one day put forth his final push pell-mell. And I just want you to see this picture that those martyrs are in heaven interceding for the moment for God to make His move. What a powerful, powerful thought. And that brings us to the sixth seal, Revelation 6, 12-17. The wrath of God. And I beheld, and when He had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. That is a cataclysmic event, friend. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And that is a mighty powerful verse of Scripture, my friend. These people, the, you know, and the sad thing is, many of you listening at me right now, possibly, you know the gospel's right. You know that Jesus is the truth. You know what you should have done. You know what you should be doing right now, and that is receiving Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and shed his blood for you. You know it. These people knew that God was right. And they live their life to their own fancy flings and they get to this point here and now they are terrified. They are horrified. 
And so they run into the caves and they hide and they ask the mountain to fall down on him, thinking that God can't get to them because his hour of judgment has come. Right now, people are living footloose and fancy free. People are doing whatever they want to do and they think they're going to get by with it, but there's coming an hour. I mean, this, this is your hour. This is the dispensation of grace and you have the opportunity to receive Christ. This is your hour, but His hour's coming. And that's why it is imperative as Christians that we reach out in our neighborhoods with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever we find people, we need to tell them the grand story of the cross of Jesus Christ that they too might be saved. That's the burning heart of a true disciple of Jesus in the day in which we're living. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So under this sixth seal, we have revealed the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not revealed in the first five seals as they reveal the things that will be the natural result of the rise of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will persecute God's people. There will be problems and troubles that are so tremendous. Persecution will be great and possibly millions of Christians will be saved during the Great Tribulation but will have to pay with their lives because they will not serve that Antichrist. They will not conform to a pagan system of religion and God begins to reveal His wrath and judgment upon the persecutors. This outpouring of God's wrath will produce difficulties in the earth such as earthquakes and it will cause great distress. The second thing that will happen is the sun will become blackened as a sackcloth of hair. This has taken place three times in biblical history. Genesis 1, chapter 2, Exodus 10, 21-23, and Matthew 27, 45. There have been other times when this has occurred, but not to the extent of these three times in the past, or of the extent which will take place in the future, which we're talking about right here in Revelation. The third thing taking place, the moon will become blood. There will actually be five times during the Great Tribulation period that the moon will become as blood, and this corresponds to the darkening of the sun. The fourth disturbance we see in this sixth seal stresses pictures of stars falling from heaven to the earth. Five times the stars will be affected. These falling stars will not be falling planets, but will be meteorites. They will be observed shooting through the heavens. When they hit our atmosphere, they burn up. But every once in a while, some will hit the earth. It seems that one of the largest ones that has been recorded may have ranged up to about 65,000 pounds. This is all in the past. But during the Great Tribulation period, there will be meteor showers where huge uh, planetary bodies of star, uh, star bodies, I don't know what you would call that, will fly into the earth with gigantic force and will be greater than an 
explosion of an atomic bomb. Now you think of that. The fifth item mentioned in the heaven uh, during this vision, this opening of the sixth seal, is that the heaven will literally depart like a scroll. This doesn't mean heaven passes out of existence because it's seen many times after this, but what it means is heaven, heaven departing as a scroll, it means that the time has come to a conclusion where we are shifting from God's revelation to man, accept Jesus Christ, receive Jesus Christ. Now you can still do that, but we have shifted gears. Heaven is now over here, in other words. We're, what we're dealing with right here is a direct judgment of God. And we could explain that much deeper uh, to where it would be more clear to you, and we may do that in a separate lesson. Another thing, the sixth thing that we read of here is that every mountain and island were removed out of their places. This don't mean they'll simply pass away. This means they are undergoing a process of change. It means that this, grace, this great earthquake will shake the earth and have an effect upon the mountains and the islands, literally moving them and changing their locations. If you can imagine, when that happens, there will be tremendously powerful tsunamis that will literally wipe out portions of planet Earth. In the seventh place, we see the great day of His wrath has come. This portion of Scripture states that the heavens will depart as a scroll. It really means heaven will open and the thrones of God and of Jesus Christ will be seen by men on this earth. That's what I wanted to get to when I started talking about it a moment ago. Heaven's literally going to open up and men will begin to see angels and men will begin to see the thrones of the Father and the Son and men will begin to see the activity in the spirit realm. Now this may not be continuous during the whole tribulation, but at times this will take place according to the Word of God. When they realize that the time of God's wrath is come, they will cry in terror to be killed. For they see that God is going to judge them for their sins. Those who have laughed and mocked at the things of God will begin to cry out in terror at that time. And so that brings us to the end of our study on chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. Again, just a basic outline of that great chapter there's so much in there for you to glean from the opening of those seals the opening of those seals signals the first three and a half years of the tribulation but also carries over into the entire tribulation those things will be happening let me try to say it clearer when we read Revelation 6 Many times people have seen it as this is just the first thing that happens and then chapter 7 is the second thing 
which happens in chapter 8, so on and so forth. That's not really the way it is, although there is somewhat of a chronological order to this. There is somewhat of, a, of, a, of an order to it. Most of the book of Revelation takes place during the entire seven years. And there are, when we get to the things that are for a point in time, you will see it. Such as, we saw there is a point in time where the Lamb was found worthy to open these first seals. And the first seals are opened at a particular point of, of time. And obviously that would be during the first part of the tribulation period. At the very beginning, these things begin to take place. What it doesn't say though, in all of those seals that we read here in Revelation chapter 6, it doesn't say they have a stopping off point anywhere soon. The stopping off point will be at the end of the battle of Armageddon when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. So these things start... And then there are some shifts in there, like for, for instance, the white horse rider, the Antichrist, going forth with a bow but with no arrows, conquering and to conquer. There is a time when we're going to see, symbolically, he picks up an arrow. In other words, he goes to war. Okay? So, you, you understand, the, the, the revealing of the Antichrist in the first seal, that, he, he's here. He's here for the duration of the Great Tribulation. The bloodshed of the second seal, the red horse of the apocalypse, it starts at this point in time. And see, we, we always have had war, okay? But then there is a point in time where this Antichrist bloodshed starts. That will continue all the way through the Great Tribulation. It starts in the first three and a half years, okay? And then the, the green... Uh, the, uh, the black horse of famine, famine will start as a result of the revealing of the Antichrist. And it will continue all the way through the Great Tribulation. Death and hell will stalk the earth during the entire seven years of the Great Tribulation. Okay? God's wrath will be poured out during the Great Tribulation period. And it's referring to the whole thing. Okay? And so you have to understand that as we read. In chapter 7, uh, we are going to see uh, two companies of the redeemed. And again, this is a very brief look at these things. And so I keep encouraging you to get some material. Let me give you some material that will be helpful to you uh, to take you a little deeper with your study of the book of Revelation. Jack Van Impey has a book out called Revelation Revealed. Excellent resource. Also, <clears throat> you can get studies from Chuck Missler, uh, who passed away just not very long ago, but his, his stuff is still available at Keanu House. Uh, pick it up. Study it out. Uh, any part of the book of Revelation. He has it broke down very, very well. But he is deep. It is a very deep look at things uh, that, that, you know, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Also, Anything that Perry Stone has put out prophetically, I would encourage you to get a hold of as well. And there are many, many others. John Hagee has some good material out there on Bible prophecy. David Jeremiah has some good material out on Bible prophecy. Just anything to help us all to understand a little more about the Word of God. Amen? So, <clears throat> when we come together next, 
we're going to spend 45 minutes or so or an hour whatever the case might be on the seventh chapter uh, of the book of revelation we're going to look at two companies of the redeemed the sealing of the 144,000 jews the great tribulation saints and it portrays to us a tremendous picture this is a parenthetical passages uh, in the word of god um, in other words at the same time that there, there is a point in time where the 144,000 Jews are sealed, but their activity throughout the earth take place the same times that uh, chapter 6 has taken place. That's what I mean by parenthetical. And, and we will uh, deal with that again uh, next time we come together in the Great Tribulation Saints. Uh, that is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous study. And it gives us an overview of what happens with them uh, basically from the beginning all the way through until the millennial reign of Christ. There's certain activities that will be going on at the same time as the judgments of God are poured out on the earth and the Antichrist is trying to overthrow not only the kingdoms of men, but the Antichrist thinks he can overthrow God. And that, this is going to be a tremendous, fascinating overview of the book of Revelation. I hope you've been enjoying it so far. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today that you've allowed us to speak to your people. Father, I hope that you have helped us. I trust that you have helped us, I should say, to point people into the right direction as they study the book of Revelation. Father God, help us to uncover truths from your word and to become established in your word and to become solid in your word. There is so much more that could have been said here today as we talk about Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, were we to delve into the depths of it. Father, we would be here for six, eight, ten hours and only scratch the surface. So I hope in these few brief moments, God, that you have helped us to point out what your spirit wanted to be pointed out here today, that the people could see it. And Father, develop a hunger in all of us to study it out further, to study it out more, to learn of you and to learn of your great prophecy of revelation. Father, you promised us that we would be blessed if we read it and we hear it and we keep it. Father, help us today to become obedient to your will in all things as we approach the climax of human history. And we give Jesus all the praise and all the glory. And it's in his name we pray. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Uh, again, thank you for tuning in for these special times on the book of Revelation. And uh, let me remind you, as we go off the air here today, that um, this is just the overview. Now, in the very near future, we might come back to Revelation chapter 6, and we might do an in-depth teaching on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We might come back sometime to Revelation 2 and 3, and do an in-depth series on the seven churches of Revelation. Uh, you know, so this is just the outline. This is just you and I hanging out together, listening to some worship, entering into that worship, and then reading the book of Revelation together and bringing out nuggets as we outline and overview this book. I pray 
that you will continue to tune in. Until next time, this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying go with God and He will go with you. Bless you now.